0: Well, and that's the classic thing that the teams do it because too many times, as you said, these these veteran guys come to camp whenever team's already up against the cap, and then decides to make that move, you know, in the middle of camp or something like that. So, mm-hmm. hang on real quick, I gotta
1: piss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. How's it
0: going, Max? Okay. It's a nice little Sorry, musical the, uh, interlude. <clears throat> cooking beers before that. I'm like, I don't know, I was going to try to make it to the end and then my back teeth started floating. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have a cool, another cold open to use. Okay. The 3 Down Green Cast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at saskbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome. To the three down Green cast, Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual. And uh it's been an interesting week for John and I, shall we yeah. say. Uh some up and down in news on the front of uh John's favorite son, my adopted son. Sergio my Castillo boy. I could I Joel, I could feel my heart breaking. You were like you were went. like you were like Ralph at the play with Lisa and you could like pinpoint when you're heartbroken too, right?
0: You know what? It wasn't the <laughs> first, it, it,
1: Joel, you're right. It wasn't I, I remember, it wasn't the first <laughs> kick
0: that he missed, but uh every Sunday I, I do I do a bunch of stuff around the house, uh dishes, cooking, whatever. And I've always got Red Zone on. And mm. and Red Zone came up and it was it's like, okay, Sergio's going to attempt a kick. He's one for two today and I'm like, great, okay, he's going to redeem himself, 2 for 3. And then he missed a fairly makeable kick. And, like, it's at that moment that if you put it in slow motion, like Ralph beside Lisa, you could see my heartbreak. Because I knew it was over for my boy,
1: Sergio. And, it, it, and so it, we were naturally distraught when it yes. was announced and that, and the Je- angry. that the Jets had released Sergio Gassio. And we were all wondering what was going to happen next to our beloved son. And it was a potential return of the CFL on the horizon, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. We were all ready to come on this program and just rip the Jets to shreds for their decision to release a man who was helping their cause. Side note, they released Sergio, who was helping their cause, and they ended up winning a game this week. So, No,
0: right. no, that's that, – you know why they won that game? It's
1: because they kept him around. They did – They won by three, I believe, so yeah.
0: (laughs) Right, right, but they kept him on the practice roster.
1: Like, the curse of Sergio would have been real. Yes, they kept it. well, no, the win is the curse, though, because they want to secure that number one overall pick, right? That's right.
0: No, no, well, now you're basically handing Trevor Lawrence to, you know, Jacksonville, which is probably a much better place for him to
1: go. If If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm pulling hard for Jacksonville. I think they now hold the tiebreaker over the Jets, so they technically hold the first overall pick as of right now. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they I were talking about
0: that on the broadcast. Because I don't think, outside of Sergio's debut, Joel, I don't think I've watched a Jets game so thoroughly this year.
1: I haven't watched. I didn't even watch any of that today. I put, I hadn't Red Zone on for, like, the early slate of games. And then once I saw sort of what was available in the afternoon, I was like, ah, I'm just going to put on Chief Saints.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still put on Red Zone. Like, I'm just, I'm such a channel flipper. I'm so, mm-hmm. like... Especially, like, like today I, uh, I uh, today I got back from taking Max Sliding, and I was doing some dishes, and I made pasta for the boys and a stir-fry for myself. And I'm just like, like, I am peak productivity wow. when Red Zone is on. Because okay. I don't have to change the channel. It's just there. Uh-huh. It's on my TV. It's on my phone. And away I go. So I was, you know, very invested in that Jets
1: and Rams game. Which is it's, it's hilarious that they won. And, yes, if you're Trevor Lawrence, you are... Maybe a little bit happier today because while both the Jets and the Jaguars are both kind of cursed franchises, the Jaguars feel like a team that could potentially pull out of it because they have shown signs of life before, so. Absolutely.
0: They, I, they've been to, what was it, wasn't that the first season they made it to the um, AFC Championship game?
1: Something like that, I don't remember. And regardless, if you, you don't want to be the next great quarterback and have to play at New York City either. That's just probably not going to go well for you.
0: No, it hasn't gone well for a lot of guys. I mean, even even like Sam Darnold isn't terrible, but there's another guy that got picked high by the Jets and uh, goes on to a crappy franchise. So mm-hmm. um, I so the curse is they cut Sergio. Yes. And then they win. So, okay, I'm okay with that. I feel like that's good vengeance for, for cutting my boy, your adopted boy.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, I mean, something you probably often do while watching Red Zone is, of course, drink a few beers. And there's yes. been an interesting discussion on Twitter this last week, and it's really what we oh, want yes. to talk about before we get into the meat of this episode. Uh, probably we
0: actually have football shit to talk about.
1: Yes, there is news. Breaking news, there is news in the CFL. Holy <laughs> shit, For the first time March, <laughs> we can talk football. Yeah, I almost don't know what to do with myself. We're not, like, sitting here making up topics. We actually have actual <laughs> things to talk about,
0: this which is remarkable. Quickest. To pull it get back the curtain. (laughs) This was the quickest pre episode discussion we've had since March. It was like, Okay, so we're gonna do this, this, and bang out this rider news and away we go. And I'm like I'm not used to this. Like I'm used to like us like game planning for the whole week and instead there's actual news, but Again, yeah. things And are you, usually
1: we base an entire episode around something I've made up just to write and then turn into a podcast. So <laughs> that's,
0: that's fair. Now we get to talk about <laughs> real shit, and I yeah. don't know what to
1: do. Exactly. So we, we need some beer to clear our head and make sure that we get, get the thoughts straight and everything. But our friend, friend of the show, Krista Broda on Twitter, yes. um, sent out an interesting tweet recently where she has said it's time for everyone to move on from Pilsner being the official beer of Saskatchewan. And I think you will find no arguments from either of us on this program. Absolutely not. It is a shitty beer run by a heartless corporation. Mm -hmm. And despite what people think, it was never actually like a Regina beer. The company that originally launched the brand had a brewery in Regina, but they weren't actually based in Regina. So it's never really been a quote-unquote Saskatchewan beer.
2: Regardless,
1: regardless even if it was, things can change over time. And it's not anymore. So it's time to move on. And I've seen the argument and you may have seen the tweet from Krista over um, Pilsner Place. No, Pilsner Place. That was the old stadium. Pill Country. Pilsner Country. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, but it says right there on the stadium. Well, no, it's because Molson paid for that to happen. They did. Yes.
0: After after paying to kill the brewery that was here in Saskatoon then the one in Regina, just out of spite for a different company. But do go on, Joel.
1: Yes, so that's that's kind of what the deal with all that is, and why that exists there. So, any any sign could be on that stadium, and there's a an intent. It's entirely possible that down the road, maybe that does change. Who knows? You never know. The almighty dollar talks, especially given sure. the way things are going right now, and we'll get into it in a bit. On the Riders are going to be spending less on player salaries this year, as it seems like most teams will be. So they might need more money other ways. So maybe that may change some sponsorship deals. Who knows? Regardless. The question then has become, what should be the official beer of Saskatchewan?
2: Mm.
1: Lots of great options out there. Lots of different ways you can go to it. I've seen some people saying it should be some other kind of Pilsner just to stick with that tradition. Um, right. I disagree. I think especially one of them, I know, I know, John, you don't mind them, but for me, Great Western is just a midi- medium-sized brewery producing big beer, so it doesn't really excite me all but, that much, to and, be honest and, with and you.
0: And the beer itself doesn't excite me. No. Um But the fact that, like, they basically gave a giant middle finger to Molson, like, and that's the real shame, is they, you know, Molson came in and basically muscled them out, and they created their own brewery and stuff. That's pretty cool. And then, like, could you imagine how bad you'd feel as the founders of that company when it's like, oh, Pills, the official beer of Saskatchewan, you know, we we got rid of you to produce more pill, and you still did this despite us, but pill is Saskatchewan, like, and, and. (laughs) <laughs> this is the best part. I I, I want to, like, and I have to give full credit to Krista. Mm-hmm. Like, she's one of the best followers on Twitter. You know, if it wasn't for the almighty dollar speaking, mm-hmm. that very well could be the Vagisil zone. Right? Like, does that make Vagisil the official cream of Saskatchewan?
1: Maybe. Could have been.
0: They would have stepped up.
1: <laughs> I, anyone could have. I mean, it's that's just the matter of what it was. Mm.
0: Right. And, well, that's the funny thing is, like, as you said, the almighty dollar that every, every everything that, that, like, this pill association was Saskatchewan that, I will admit, I felt was stronger when I first moved here than it is these
1: days. Yeah, I think it is um, dying off in general, even amongst people who don't drink good beer. I think you're noticing it, too. Right.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. So, the official beer is Saskatchewan. I mean, I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention our sponsors, uh-huh. our actual sponsor of this podcast. They're very close to Mosaic Stadium. They are. They make a wide close. variety of beers for everybody, uh-huh. and that being Pile of Bones, you could make an argument for Pile of Bones. Yeah, I yeah. One you could make.
1: You can make an argument for the Pile of Bones White IPA, I believe
0: right because right. oh, there's there's, there's some story.
1: there's some weed in it there's there's different connections to the provinces you know when of course it's made here by people from here and for people right. here and all that with, yeah
0: with with the stuff from the ground that we grow here so mm-hmm. funny quick aside
1: met work on friday and
0: <laughs> Sorry. i said
1: for us just in case anyone's wondering max is playing video games <laughs> in the background that's the music you're hearing <laughs>
0: yeah yeah yes yes we're not adding music to this episode there's just um it, it, max is on holiday break from kindergarten and max's bedtime is fairly optional so max is playing super mario maker in the background at 9:52 at night and he is currently fist bumping to the music so max and i went sliding today he had a nap so he's nowhere near bedtime so if you hear some some mario <laughs> tunes to the background please don't give us a copyright strike but that's uh that's what's that's what's, like that is a, that is a sick beat like just like let that breathe that is there it is there's there's the bass drop anyways i do i do digress so Mm -hmm. back from my aside to my aside um friday i'm at work my office sits kitty corner from our service manager dave's and i literally heard dave say the words ipa and that's all it took for me to spring out of my desk run over to dave's the service manager's office and go hey dave you said IPA. Let's be friends. He's also a Vikings fan, by the way. Um, so Dave and I went on. He's like, you know what? And this is my case for the official beer of Saskatchewan. Hmm. Just based off my conversation with Dave. Dave is like, and we're talking about different IPAs from, from our friends. Nine Mile, Parallel 49, Rebellion. He goes, you know what, John? I want to try those. But every time I go to the liquid store, to use a max term, as you can hear him giving in the background... He's like, I can't get past the Palomon's White IPA. So I get, I, I see it. I want to try the things, and I need to buy this. So that's what he does every single time. So there's my case based on one conversation with me and service manager Dave Obed. <laughs>
1: it's a great sample size of information, John. Just...
0: Well, me it's, it's, and it's not, Dave, I think yeah. that's, that's it's, it's, 100% it's not... of those polled would give it the title.
1: It's not a bad argument, and I. I certainly would not be against it. I've certainly drink drank many of them, and there are a lot of other great IPAs to uh, to go along with the white IPA in this province. Uh, for me, if and I kind of made this argument on Twitter a little bit, if you're really looking to make the official beer, I guess the unofficial official beer, Saskatchewan, because you're not going to like pay the province to be named the official beer of the province or anything, you know, you know what I mean, exactly. Um, for me, even though it's not my favorite from them, and it's not really one of my favorite beers in the province, I think it represents the province well, and that's the Rebellion Lentil.
0: Yes. I, Just be- I, that's, yeah. yeah.
1: Like Because I think it has a unique factor to it that you're not going to find anywhere else. Of course, lentils are grown here. The barley is grown here. The water, is, you know, obviously the water's from here. All the ingredients, except maybe the hops, depending on what time of year you're getting it from, are right. from here. And even increasingly, I think, year-round, I know Rebellion's taking some steps to make sure they get more and more of their, use the hops throughout the year that they get from GGL a Amusaman. So that's great. Right. Right. So increasingly, I think that might be the beer of Saskatchewan for all those reasons. And I know some people have, from you know have made the argument for some other beers that aren't available year-round that may be better and are probably more popular seasonally than Lentil, right. but... To me, if you're going to pick something that is, you know, sort of the beer of the province, it needs to be available year round. It shouldn't just be a seasonal.
0: No, and, and, and no, I would I would really agree with that assessment. And and as much as again, you and I share many beliefs on on Great West. Mm-hmm. Just knowing the history, and it was actually Mark from Rebellion that pointed out the history, uh, the shitty history of Molson and Pill and stuff on on that same Twitter thread that has sparked this discussion. Yes. Um. I do have to say, though, that, you know, your brewery being closed down by Big Beer and a bunch of guys getting together and going basically, F you. And then Saskatchewan somehow embracing Big Beer. I feel like it would be karmatic justice to make that, like, the Great West zone at the end. And people start falling in love with that
1: instead of an extraordinarily shitty beer made by Big Beer. I mean, they're... The tie-in could have been there. The thing is, Molson's so in bed with the riders at this point that the existing relationship between Great Western and the Everaz Place, the real, the you know, the Exhibition Association that runs the whole grounds, was overruled essentially. True. So, which is a damn shame. Yeah, because it would have been infinitely better. Regardless, concessions have been made. You can actually get good beer at Mosaic Stadium, and that's ultimately at the end of the day, all we really can ask for, really.
0: That's 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 true. You do have you do have the option of just going
1: uh, a couple hundred meters outside of the pill zone and finding actual, mm-hmm. real good beer. It is an interesting note because we're speaking of the Rebellion Lentil Cream, how for the longest time it has been Rebellion's number one selling beer. I know Survey says passed it from time to time, but I yeah. saw stuff from them recently saying now that their Zilla IPA is their number one selling beer. Which which to me is indicates a changing marketplace around here which should be exciting for everyone in saskatchewan
0: well and, and again we, ha- we all have to and, and and you and i being beer guys and talking about it and talking about the guys that you know especially the guys that sponsor us or unofficially sponsor us mm-hmm. um it's great to be in saskatchewan and be a beer lover these days absolutely yeah like there are, are so many options like from both saskatoon and regina uh saskatoon's finally starting to play catch up a little bit but yeah, I just it's 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 great to be here and I mean it's really only rivaled by to me the B C craft brewery scene. Yeah, and and I mean You have some in Alberta, but yeah. I s I, I don't think like like to me, you can you can walk in to a liquor store mm-hmm. and you can largely pick any Saskatchewan beer with maybe a couple exceptions. And in the spirit of, you know, embracing everybody, I'm not going to name those exceptions. You can grab a four-pack, a six-pack of something made here in Saskatchewan, and it's going to be good. Yeah. I've grabbed, I've been in Alberta, I've grabbed four, five, six-packs of, of things made in Alberta. There are some real misses there.
1: Yeah. I, so I mean, no. as, as the volume increases, you're naturally going to find more misses along the way. And then misses right. exist more so in BC as well, but just because of the pure volume, but the the stuff we get here especially, comes from better brewers because they are established and they've been proven to be good and they're able to create the volume necessary to ship outside of their province. Well, that's it, right? Hmm. So on that note... Exactly. On that note, uh, before we get into everything that's actually going on in the world of football, and we are just so at a loss for words for that, which is never good because (laughs) this is the podcast after all. And beyond being a visual medium, we have to talk as well. John, what's in the glass this week? Well, in the glass this week, um, this is a double in the glass, I
0: guess. Because after that conversation on Friday with service manager Dave, mm-hmm. I went out and bought a four-pack of Pile of Bones White IPA. And then mm-hmm. number two, if you notice, I rarely post in the Beer Lovers of Saskatchewan group. That's this true. time I did. Because I've been very excited about Nine Mile. Like, every time I go... To the liquor stores I frequent, I ask, "Hey, do you have the Nine Mile in cans yet?" And everybody's, "No, no, 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 no." Till finally, I went to the liquor store, Sobey's liquor store down in Stonebridge, and found that there was Nine Miles in in, in cans. And yeah. I, I, I'm going to probably maybe say this wrong, but I got the Rafiki Moha IPA. Just knowing that Nine Mile makes good beer no matter what. I don't think I tried. I mean, outside of the Crowns and Anchors, I yeah. I, I don't think I've tried one of their IPAs. This is a West Coast IPA. Um, If you're not into a fruity IPA,
1: this is the beer for you. Yeah. Um, If you've had a pile of bones, Space Cadet, think something
0: along those lines. Very similar. Very similar. I do find this one has more, and I'm not meaning this in a bad way, compared to Space Cadet, this one has more of that alcohol bite, which sometimes Mm. is not a bad thing to balance out the flavors of the hops. Yes, Um, and,
1: and sometimes makes you think, maybe I shouldn't drink this so fast.
0: Well, I've had four. Uh, yeah. I'm on my fourth well, right I now mean, heading into this episode. But. For pretty
1: much everyone else, if you taste alcohol, it generally slows you down versus if you don't taste the alcohol. Or, or mine me <laughs> and I taste the alcohol and I'm like, I should drink this quicker because that's how I function.
0: Um, it's very good. If, if you're into, if you're looking for a fruity IPA, might not be your cup of tea. If you're looking to a dry hoppy IPA, I would put it right up there with um, uh, one of my favorites is Fat Tug uh Mm -hmm. it's very nice it's a dry ipa and uh yeah it tastes good in my face hole but of course because i go through at least two beers an episode i do have a pile of bones white ipa waiting to be the second beer into my face
1: as we record this uh for me i have the pile of bones it's a seasonal that's out right now the english dark mild uh if you don't want don't know what that is it's sort of a british style of beer um kind of the original session ale kind of idea uh, comes in 3.5%, nice and light, but it's kind of dark and malty at the same time, kind of like almost, kind of generalizing a little bit like a kind of a lighter, almost amber kind of thing. It doesn't quite taste like a red, but it's it's got a little bit of those sort of caramel kind of notes to it, but it's very light, which is uh, nice for a Sunday evening or, you know, sort of a weeknight beer, or if you want to be able to have many in a session and um, not stumble afterwards. It's, right. very, it's very good for that. So it's not going to, like, pop you in the face with flavor. It's very subtle in the flavor, which can be nice. And it's also very light in alcohol, if that's something you're looking for as well. Oh, that's, that's all a win, unlike me, who's on my
0: fourth 6.1% IPA of the evening, because I thought it'd be re- we would be recording an hour ago, but, you know, hashtag dad life. Mm-hmm. And
1: technical difficulties. So that was...
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I polish off a beer while trying to figure out why I
1: couldn't hear you, (laughs) then only realizing it's my headphones. Yeah. Uh, Someone who did not have technical difficulties recently was a writer's general manager, Jeremy O'Day, and head coach Craig Dickinson. Uh, both of them have now been extended for a couple of more seasons after their brilliant work in 2020, along with everyone else in the franchise, as they Riders went undefeated, of course, along with everyone else in the CFL. <laughs> That's why
0: the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are back to
1: back Great Cup champs, as yeah. I wear.
0: And, and, okay, Joel, you're going to laugh. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any Bombers Championship gear until last week. Okay. I didn't want to pay the $45 shipping from Winnipeg. And, of course, no. the global pandemic shut everything down. So, finally, my good friend Mike Tornopolsky who's also my accountant. His mom sent him a care package. And he's like, what size do you wear? I'm like, I will e-transfer you. Let's get this done. So, finally, okay. I have, you know, championship gear. But this, to me, was a no-brainer by the way, No, riders. absolutely.
1: Like, I, I, I said that jokingly. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done this. Like, there was – both of them were coming into the final year of their contracts – You generally don't want the lame duck situation going on, I think, especially with your general manager. It was the right move to make both guys seem, had a good grasp on things in 2019. I think, we'll get into this a little bit, probably the direction of the franchise, I think, has to change a little bit based on, you know, no Grey Cup actually being here in 2020. But regardless, this was the move that had to be made, and now both of them know that they are secure here for a bit and can focus on going forward with this franchise for the next few years.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and and especially for Jeremy O'Day, that's been a part of this organization for such a long time. Like, yeah. securing him was was really good thing. Like, his belief of not going all-in and overpaying for free agents and, and building up sustained success appears to be working based on the last time that we saw football being played in this province. And just looking at the pieces that the Riders have moving into the – Hypothetical, it should probably happen because a whole bunch of vaccines are coming out,
1: twenty twenty one season, right? So yeah, uh, the only thing the only thing I would say is they while they weren't all in on twenty twenty, they were a little bit of an older roster even by CFL standards. So I I do think there was still a little bit of a okay, we should probably try to win this year. To that, so there is probably still some tweaks that need to be made there, a little bit of change, but it's not. It's not 13 to 14 or 14 to 15 where you needed that complete teardown because you paid for the win in 2013. It wasn't quite well, to that level, but absolutely. there was still a little bit of it in there for the Great Cup being here in 2020, I think.
0: Well, no, no that, that's exactly it, right? I mean, they were building towards a hypothetical 2020 Great Cup. Now, they have to build towards a, the 2022 Grey Cup, which really, to me, is a good thing. Because it allows you to take the core of the pieces you have right now, mm-hmm. which is a, a good core. Yeah. And you don't have to go all in this year. Because we all thought the Riders were going to have to go all in this year. And they don't have to do that, necessarily. They just have to have another good year. I mean, hopefully the team wins the Great Cup. That's what everybody wants. That's yeah, everybody
1: when, wants. We no, when we say it. they don't have to go all in, it doesn't necessarily mean they can't win the Great Cup. Like, the pieces are still there. They were as much as people like to talk about the clank of Cody Fajardo at the end of the game away from getting there, they were a couple of goal line stops away. They were a couple of better offensive playing calls away. A little bit better execution at times on offense throughout that game from being in the Grey Cup in 2019. In a year, they weren't, in theory, supposed to be there, right? So,
0: Well, and that's it. And a large and a large part of that core from the year they're not supposed to be in it is going to be back and that's the core you have and to me in in 2022 when you're hosting the gray cup that's when you make a few of the you know short-term versus long-term decisions because i don't think there's a person in this province that would care that if you happened if you you know spend over the cap or have to let some young guys go or maybe some picks go
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're not going to care if you win the 2022 gray cup if you you know you're good but not great for another year or two after that right yeah uh,
1: I, I mean when you only have as a franchise four great cups you can't be really picky and choosy and how you win them sometimes <laughs> no <laughs> i think that's very be real here <laughs> no you're you're absolutely right joel i just
0: and and if anything like like with the emergence of cody Fajardo and, and some of the young pieces on this roster that we're hoping to see in 2021 um it gives them the luxury of okay maybe you spend a little bit more money this year because unless the CFL mandates everybody spending to the floor... Well, well Ger- Jeremy
1: O'Day money. did say in his avail this week that he's been told by Craig Dickinson to reduce player spending. Now, by how much, we don't know. We don't know if they're spending to the floor. Uh, Rob Vanstone of the Leader Post wrote a great column about how the fans deserve to know sort of what the reduction is. They don't necessarily need to know what every single salary on the book says, though I will disagree with... the one. Rob didn't say this, but I know there are people out there who think that way. And I think... All that information should be out there, but regardless, I think Rob's column was great this week where he said, Okay, there's going to be this reduction by how much, so the fans deserve to know sort of what is the investment level from a financial figure for this team in terms of the stuff they actually care about, which is the players and the coaches, and has right. has similar reductions also been made to the front office, which you have talked about a billion times in this podcast right. in the last year, as we've talked about the financial problems facing the CFL and how they've constantly come at players and coaches while having over overstaffed and over crazily overstaffed yeah. business ops.
0: No, you're, and, and you're absolutely right. So to me though, like, and this is me being the optimist that I am, <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. We can both laugh about that, but I just, I think to me when you have the financial muscle of the riders and let's assume that, The best-case scenario prevails true, and we can have at least 50% capacity at Mosaic Stadium come July. Let's assume that's all true. And you're the Riders, and you know, like, to me, being able to have fans of the stands is going to be a huge advantage. And I just think, organically, the CFL season is going to come in line with most of the population getting vaccinated and you'll have asses in the seats, which means you can take your kids to go to a game and go to the CFL and maybe bring in some younger fans, which means Jersey sales, which means more money, right? So mm-hmm. to me, you have a season in which everybody's going to be penny pinching. And if you're the riders, you know, you have the great cup coming next year. You know, the fan support is there for this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe you make a couple signings late this year. Maybe you go for back-to-back great cups because while everybody else is penny pinching, you have the financial wherewithal to go for it. So that's why I'm—I again, I'm a very large fan of of giving of of O'Day being back and Dickinson being back and keeping that continuity. Because if this team starts eight and one, you're having a shot at the Grey Cup, and I would say by Labor Day, you're probably going to look at a whole bunch of people in the seats at Mosaic Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, I. <laughs> I hate to say it, but the gentleman's agreement to spend to the floor might be the writers the first one to break it.
1: Well, I, well, and I mean the way O'Day phrased it was was this a director from Craig Dickinson? So sorry, from Craig Reynolds, not Craig Dickinson. Um, so if this is just the franchise trying to protect themselves from losses a little bit this year, that's one thing. The, the directives a whole other thing that we talked about on a previous episode. If you want to go back and listen to all that talk about the CFL potentially trying to collude to have teams all spend to the floor. That's a whole other issue, but if the Riders have individually decided to say this, then yeah, their financials could change throughout the course of the year, where maybe, yeah, they do decide to make a push. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, One thing that the team has done to try and help their financials this year is, of course, one of the priorities from Jeremy O'Day when he signed his extension, which was, of course, to kind of rework and work with Cody Fajardo. Now, this wasn't an extension just yet. Uh, but you would have to assume that they're working on that and the extension will probably come sometime this season, whenever it gets played. And, but we do have a restructured deal for the 2021 season. Uh, you can head to 3downnation.com right now. Uh, Justin Dunk, of course, has the story with a complete breakdown of what happened with Vajardo's deal this year so basically Cole's notes um, $180,000 roster bonus that was due in early February has now turned into $140,000 signing bonus so that changes his money a little bit for the year in terms of how it affects the cap but it doesn't really take that much money out of his pocket at the end of the day based on the rules of taxation and blah 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 whatever it's all convoluted but regardless he's basically taking a 40k slash on his salary overall that um, just in terms of cap, overall cap dollars, how it all works out is really inconsequential. But it's not an insignificant amount of money when you're talking about the CFL cap. But it's not money that's really going to, you know, make a huge difference for Fajardo at the end of the day. Because if all, if he hits everything else and everything goes all in, he's still going to make four hundred five thousand dollars this year, which was which is a substantial raise over the hundred fifty he made last year.
0: Well, no, and you're absolutely right. I I, I think like. And this just strikes me as as Cody being, you know, a big team guy. Mm -hmm. That's him. That's that's what Cody Fajardo is. I think he's on the list of, you know, the three people that we would interview on this podcast. You know, Sergio, Derek Taylor again, and Cody Fajardo, as we've often joked about. But, you know, Cody seems like a reasonable guy. You come to him and say, hey, can you move some things around? You're still going to get paid the same after taxes. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Keep some talent around me. Right. So. I love the move. I love the fact that, you know, it is December 20th. The season may not start till July, August, and the Riders have their starting quarterback locked up. They have their starting running back locked up, and it's just there's no discussion on, oh, God, what's going to happen? There's no – you're not going to hear the rumblings of a grievance like you heard in BC with Mike Riley. Cody's back. Cody's moved some dollars around to make it easier for everybody, and (laughs) – Here's the crazy, craziest part of that article, though, by Justin Dunk. Mm-hmm. Because of his contract, Fajardo made more sitting at home last year than he did as his season as the Riders' starting quarterback. That's how good of a team-friendly <laughs> deal that thing was. Like, he legitimately, because he got paid a roster bonus, which, unlike the BC Lions, the Riders actually paid the roster bonus and didn't bitch about it, which kudos to them so they pay the man his money and he made more to sit on his ass and 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 by sit on his ass i know
1: cody was training and watching game film and doing
0: all those things a good quarterback does but but he didn't
1: have to play games and potentially suffer a career ending injury
0: exactly the guy could have sat on his couch if he wanted gained 50 pounds like we all did during covid and ate bonbons right so he made more money doing that than the year before so it just strikes me cody's the kind of guy that like from all accounts he would have felt guilty about doing that so i feel like that's a big thing why he was like yeah let's restructure let's make sure we got some talent around me so huge win for the riders you're coming into the next two-year window here you have your starting quarterback for the next two years on an even more team-friendly deal because i know already cfl circles if you're reading some of the reports are talking about putting a, a salary cap on the quarterbacks
1: which I mean, you which, we, which we, we've we've talked about on this podcast before. I'm I'm vehemently against that. I don't think it's necessary whatsoever. Um, right. Uh, I think if you want to, we can they can go down the road into CBA talking about kind of doing like NHL and NBA style where there is a max number that any player on your team could make. Which you know in the NHL, like a player is not allowed to make more than twenty percent of the cap or whatever the number is. I think if you want to go down that road, that's fine. But to single out quarterbacks, I think. Is unnecessary if you want to spend to whatever ends up being the max, if there is one, or if there is no max as much as you want on a quarterback, then that's your decision, and the GM will ultimately have to pay for that decision. Well, that's that's exactly that's that's always what I thought. So, if the salary cap is you know, this year it's from around 5.1 and change, let's say, if you want to spend, if you spend, say, and you still want to spend $800,000 on your quarterback this year, okay, you're within the cap still, and that's that's your prerogative that's your choice but if this goes sideways just know you might be out of a job well and that's and and
0: that is exactly it
1: right and i mean i think and
0: you and i have talked about on this podcast a handful of times before the advantage that cody fajardo's original deal at around as ish well the four to five hundred even the 150 was even better <laughs> well the 150 was way better but yeah but even once he resigned for that yeah. four to f- the four to five instead of the you know, six to 750, like, you know, your Bo Levi's and your Mike Riley's and some of those guys, you know, you and I have discussed that's two elite players right there. Yeah. You know, or one super elite player, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you look at, you know, in comparison, the fact that Cody Fajardo is going to make four ish this coming season, Willie Jefferson makes mm-hmm. two ish this coming season. Yeah. Would you rather have, and I present this to all our listeners. Would you rather have Cody Fajardo, Willie Jefferson, and another $150,000 a year player or or Mike Riley or uh, Bo Levi Mitchell? I know I'm taking the three guys all day long.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's a question of roster build. And that's, this, that's kind of the smart thing to do. And not that there's anything wrong with paying big money to big quarterbacks if you can have the systems around them to make it work still. Um, but... When you don't, it's important that you don't overspend in a certain areas, and that's that's pretty much where the riders were and uh, i'm not I'm not saying Cody is an elite, but he's not at that echelon yet, so you can't pay him at that echelon yet, even if the market presented itself an opportunity to do that, and they didn't to their credit right so
0: they were, they were smart about it mm-hmm. and they're being rewarded, and I think you know Cody's loyalty is being shown in reworking this deal, but at the same <laughs> on the same note. The writers are brilliant, and uh, Jeremy O'Day and Craig Atkinson at all, in the fact that, you know, when you read Dunk's article on Three Down Nation, mm. you get to see that Cody's going to basically, after tax, make the same money this year, despite restructuring his deal in a cat friendly way. So it's win-win, and you have to think that was probably presented to the guy.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, when you, when you can make that argument to say, okay— your cap number is taking this hit, but you won't be taking the same financial hit. It it presents pretty well to a player because I I think to a man, most players will be understanding of some sacrifice that will have to be made for at least this season to get the CFL back on its feet because right. it is not going. If the league was already losing money, even if you are running at fifty percent capacity as the season starts, which is a little optimistic. But even if, say, that were to happen, you're not going to be making as much money as you were. There just isn't enough money on the table to go around. So yes, the sacrifices have to be made. And I think most guys are understanding of that. And you're seeing that with Fajardo. There's some other deals like Luches-Pirifoi, and there's been a few other deals that have been restructured already as well. Um, it sounds like that opportunity may have been, or if it was discussed with Zach Evans, it obviously was not something he was interested in doing. He would rather test the open market.
0: Right, right, and and and, you know, to, to transition into the Zach Evans thing, he um, you knew there was going to be casualties. There there of, have to of be this. Uh, yes, and and, it sucks. Like you texted me, there's another vet, uh, victim of the four year deal. Yeah, you know, no wonder. And and I get it. It sucks. I I see why both sides do it. I see if you're a CFL player, why you sign a one- to two-year deal that maximizes your income in those first two years, and then if they cut you, whatever you've made, you don't. And if you're the team, you don't have to make a ton of commitments. So you're right. It's almost universal that a four- or five-year deal is going to see guys get cut, and we know there was going to be victims of the financial situation, just Mm -hmm. sucks that it happens to, you know, by all accounts, a good guy and a good local product and – who knows? They could still bring him back because I feel like there's going to be a squeeze throughout the league this year.
1: Yeah, I mean the squeeze is already kind of starting a little bit last year when Darrell Walker sat, sat on the market all year, and now that's, <laughs> I mean, that's only well, gonna, that's, get, that's that's only going to get worse. Now, um, I would be surprised if he came back because uh, I think between McKenna Henry and some other options that are coming up behind there, I think they have you know cheaper options at Canadian, and quite frankly, Henry played better than Evans last in 2019. And was deserving of being the starter, So it probably would have been a situation where even maybe in 2020, had there been games this past year, um, you know, it may have been a situation where Evans came to camp. Right. But didn't necessarily come out of it. Because it right. could have been a scenario where they say, okay, these, you know, McKenna Henry and these other guys are coming along nicely. We can save some cap space here and, you know, unfortunately have to make this move. And that's that's just the ugly side of the game and now because of the misseason and the salary changes and everything that's coming along it's like okay you know what zach and they did it long before like he had a bonus a roster he had a bonus that was due i believe in like january or february so they at least did right by him and not say okay we're gonna cut you the day before your bonus is due and do i like they've cut him now and he has all the time in the world to go see if there's another opportunity for him
0: well and that's the classic thing that the teams do it because too many times, as you said, these these veteran guys come to camp. Whenever team's already up against the cap,
1: and then decides to make that move, you know, in the middle of camp or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's too hard to know at this point when camp is actually going to start. And right, there's a lot of conversation right now about the start of the season and when that's going to happen. Uh, both Dave Naylor or TSN and Rashadania Sportsnet shared some different thoughts on when they think it could. You know, there wouldn't be surprised or it could be happening. Um, I believe Madani Danny was saying July, August was sort of his sort of ballpark when he thought it could start, and then um, Naylor was as far as thinking maybe even late September before the season wow. even started. Which I, I I don't know if you can go that deep at that point. No, I think I you got to, even if you know there's there's sort of projecting right now that they're saying most Canadians that want. Um, a vaccine for COVID-19 should have it by, you know, in September at some point. So if you really want to wait to that point, I think that might be too late. You, I think you have to suck it up and at least go for a little bit with smaller capacities or no fans at all for a little bit just to make sure you get a season in this year because this league cannot afford to miss two years. No, and you and I have talked about that, that how critical that would be. So
0: mm-hmm. to me, though, like the government saying like... The messaging we're getting from the government is September. Yeah. And everything should be largely normal by September. So I don't I'm a fan of the, you know, like camps in June, no preseason games. Let's look at a July start, because if the government is saying most of the country should be vaccinated by September, I don't think it's out of the realm of and, and again, even even pessimistic thinking with how quickly we're getting the vaccines and everything across you know, the country. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I think by mid-July, you will almost certainly have fans in the stands. Not full. Yeah. But some, you know, and this being a gate-driven league, right? So you eliminate the preseason. Maybe you make it a 16-week season instead of an 18-week season. You Which start mid-July. In well, no, I would agree with you on that. <clears throat> you start you start mid July and and the teams are going to have three maybe four home games each at you know whatever percent of capacity before mm-hmm. the government's magic date of September where you'd think you'd be approaching the ability to go back to full capacity right so i'm i'm optimistic cautiously optimistic of course that's mm-hmm. I think we will see a mid, I think the CFL will be brilliant to start in mid-July, especially now that, you know, the NFL is going to be over, college football is going to be over, we're a full calendar year without the CFL, and then your big competition being the NHL in their 56-game season is 100% going to be over by mid-July. So I did see somebody on Twitter, and I wish I could give them credit, but I saw it in a conversation today that said that this gives you an opportunity to bring the young fans in because... Let's face it, us here in Saskatchewan are going to be so aching for something to attend that the CFL might be the first thing to 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 go, and I don't think that's a bad spot for them.
1: Yeah, and it's certainly a possibility that something can do. I think there could there's still going to be people who are, you know timid about going out to you know sort of large gatherings which you can certainly understand I think even if you do have the vaccine in you at that point you're still going to be a little it's still you know it's just going to be different it's gonna be weird to be going back to that kind of lifestyle because I remember I even had thoughts about this season and when there was you know when there was discussions about what this 2020 season was going to look like and what was going to happen and I was like even if it's an empty stadium i I didn't see myself going to games as a reporter this year. I didn't see myself sitting right. in the press box to watch games this year. I just didn't, even if that was an opportunity for media, I still would have been like, you know what? No, I think I'm going to take a pass on this year and watch from home. And it'll have to depend, I guess, on my own vaccination at that point, based on my decision right. on whether I do that in 21 or not. That'll have to be you know, right. kind of played year by ear by year kind of thing. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting development and see how – you know how eager are people really to get going again? We've seen in other parts of the world where people have returned. We've seen it in the states where, I mean, the Big Twelve Championship game had 19,000 people at AT right. and Stadium, which is mildly concerning. But I mean, that's Texas for you, I guess.
0: Well, especially in the states, right? But yeah. I mean, you look at you look at, and I think a better comparison was you look at the
1: the rugby leagues in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, where they where actually they... stamped COVID down to zero when they're basically at full capacity and people are showing up.
0: Well, exactly. And people are showing up and people are in demand for those games, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you and I talked not quite a year ago, but almost a year ago, about how a year off could benefit the CFL if they played their cards right. And despite the fact that the league has, has gone away, I just, I just, and maybe it's my own echo chamber, but I just get the sense on CFL Twitter that it's like every time. Saskatchewan says, okay, we're we're ahead of pace on vaccines, or the government's or the federal government says we're ahead of pace on vaccines, or you know, this new vaccine's coming out. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a direct correlation between CFL Twitter actually talking about CFL things. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, you and I said this might be the best thing for the league. And I think it's going to be because like I miss going to a football game. I'm even like I'm at a point now where I find myself like all day at work i'm listening to live concerts on youtube instead of just like listening to my favorite bands because i just i crave that going out and, and being in an environment and everything like that and to me once i'm vaccinated and i i i'll be one of the first in line to to do it i don't even care if it makes me grow a second head i don't even care if i have to get it you know i don't care if i have to get the thing in my ass cheek i don't care if i have to get this you know right with the you know what I'll be there and getting it just to, you know, have that opportunity to go back to being in the stands because I think I realized how
1: much i missed that, how much I enjoyed it over this past year. Yeah. I think that's fair. Maybe it's cause I, you know, the only things really I can attend here are pretty much on work basis for the most part. I don't, I haven't missed it as much as I thought as I would. Maybe I'm just more of a homebody to begin with and I'm okay with that. And I think that's one thing I've kind of learned over this, thing over this whole you know this whole pandemic is that while you know i obviously would prefer things to not be like this and i'm okay being at home too and like it's just it's just more so just the idea of like having to stay home sucks versus actually just staying home which i probably would have done anyway so <laughs>
0: no that, that's that's
1: that's
0: fair and, and and i i guess maybe maybe i'm just and i've i've been pretty chill with it too but like Even little dumb things like, you know, the opportunity to curl with you or Mm -hmm. come visit you and Jenny and and, and go visit, you know, POB and pick up some low fills and, you know, suck on my beer fridge. Like, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I've started missing that. And now that there's like, and I managed to, you know, largely this year block that out of my mind, like, okay, one day this will happen, one day this happened. But now it's like, okay, this could potentially be May this could mm-hmm. potentially be jew right so yeah. i think my mindset has started to shift and and i know within my echo chamber on cfl twitter i i feel like i'm getting the exact same reaction where it's like okay vaccines are coming we're getting real
1: cfl news we have a schedule. I, I, I think getting real cfl news has been more of a trigger than anything is the fact that you know the moratorium on doing anything was lifted and stuff started happening
0: <laughs> well no i mean i mean look at this episode we mm-hmm. finally got to talk about Jeremy O'Day and Cody Picciardo and and all those things and, like, I'm not gonna lie, like I, I I and it might just be my buzz talking, but like I I feel good being able to talk genuine football again when we've spent the past year going, when the when the hell are we gonna see football game, Joel? <laughs> that's
1: that's entirely fair, and I I, I think. We're both very happy to be able to do that, but there's still there's still a long ways to go. And I think that's sort of the important message through all this right now. And that's part of why I think the government is sort of under-promising and over-delivering is to make sure that, you know, there isn't, the, you know, basically right. Scott Most Famous finish line isn't as close as we think it is. So just don't just don't relax. Don't get complacent with everything just yet. Please make sure to follow the local restrictions as much as you possibly can to make sure that we do get to the finish line at the proper time. Well, like, like we've said so many times at the
0: podcast, wear your fucking mask. But now we can also add stay the fuck home.